0: Hi everyone, my name is Mare Verk, and welcome to Life on the Farm. Welcome back everyone to another week at Life on the Farm. I am coming to you live, uh, actually no, not at all, 100% pre-recorded from the end of my second week of my hospital operations rotation and I am so excited to share with y'all what I was up to this past week. Just to give you a little taste of what we'll be covering in today's episode, some major highlights include working on the pharmacist shift for the first time. I was on two different ones. One was the main inpatient pharmacist shift and the second one that I was on for two days was the IV room pharmacist shift. So really great opportunity to immerse myself clinically, not that the whole experience itself isn't clinical, but really get down into the nitty gritty of monitoring parameters, looking at patient specific cases and certain drug questions that I hadn't had the opportunity to address earlier in the last week and a half before that. I was definitely excited on one hand, but at the same time, super nervous just because when you go into these situations and you get asked questions, as you should hopefully want to happen because it's a learning opportunity, you also have to be accepting of the fact that you won't always know the answer off the top of your head. And so being able to come back with the answer of, I don't know it off the top of my head, but I'd be happy to look it up and get back to you is such a great response. I use it all the time when I don't know the answer to something immediately, and then I am able to go to my resources and I'm able to get comfortable with looking up guidelines, which is a silver lining in it all because as much as the information is important to learn, it's also really valuable to know where to find this information in the case that you don't remember it. So from there, this whole interaction also offers you the opportunity to show the pharmacist that you're taking initiative, that you are able to follow through with what you say you're going to do. So if someone asks you to look something up or if you offer to look up something, definitely make sure that you follow back up with the person that you had that conversation with because it really does mean something when people see that you're taking initiative and it that you want to learn more and you're coming back to them to continue having that conversation so just some food for thought if you're ever wondering on different ways to maybe stand out during your rotations or making sure that you make a good impression i think both of those are really helpful but again that's just my opinion And the other thing more on a personal level, nothing too crazy, just my sleep schedule, but kind of big for me just because the last three, or I guess almost four months of quarantine, It hasn't been exactly on point or anything, but I am now the newest early bird in the Sacramento cohort. I officially wake up at 5 a.m. Who is she? And it definitely takes like a million alarms, but you know, it's okay to ask for help sometimes. And uh, yeah, my body has definitely gotten used to it considering today is Sunday and I woke up at 6.30 for literally no reason at all. I had nothing going on, but amazing nonetheless. Most of my shifts start at either 6 or 6.30 in the morning, and I thought that would be just this week, and as I started to look ahead for the remainder of the four weeks I have left, that's still the case throughout. I don't know who I was kidding. And one night, I literally just fell asleep at 9 p.m., didn't have a chance to turn any alarms on, but my circadian rhythm was probably like, oh my god, get up. You really need to be somewhere else right now. I wasn't late or anything. I do live really close to this site, so I feel really lucky in that regard, but It was just so I was so frazzled that morning, just waking up and being like, oh, it's actually the next day. Like, I need to go. So, yeah, things that happen. I just thought I'd share, you know, some other non-pharmacy stuff before getting into all of the pharmacy things that happen. And hopefully you guys enjoyed the last episode. I know that it was the first really pharmacy heavy one. But again, just my daily experiences. Before I get into it, though, I do want to talk about the title of today's episode because I love giving these episodes really cute, fun titles, or at least I find them to be fun and cute. And so I went with the kidneys theme with the Nefer underestimate the kidneys, so Nefer like nephro referring to the kidneys themselves as an underrated organ, organs, in my opinion, just because if you're in pharmacy school, like as a pharmacy student, or if you're a potential pharmacy student, and of course, if you're a pharmacist, you understand just how important it is to have proper renal function. Our patients need to have good renal function in order to make sure that the medications that we're giving them can be excreted properly. And in the case that they don't, so if patients have chronic kidney disease, um, if they're on hemodialysis or not for that, if they're experiencing AKI, acute kidney injury, it's important to be privy to this information because it really can have the biggest impact on the dosages of the medications that you're dispensing. And so, being mindful of that was something I had to be when I was working up a certain renal dose adjustment report. So there was a big focus on that for me this week, and so it was something I wanted to make note of and make prominent so much so that I made it the title of this episode and I'll be touching upon it more as I talk about my day-to-day but again the kidneys I feel like are the key to the pharmacist heart they're definitely the key to this future pharmacist heart but I wanted to give them a quick shout out because they truly are a power horse and when things go wrong with them it is not fun and certain parameters to be familiar with or lab values um, to be mindful of when it comes to a patient's kidney function are the serum creatinine, creatinine clearance, BUN and yeah, just making sure that if you are prescribing medications, being mindful of the fact that they could have an impact on one's renal function. So enough about the kidneys. I've definitely talked about them way too much. But uh, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. We'll go ahead and start with Monday since that was the first day of my week. And it was day six of my rotations. And something cool that I noticed was that The day of my rotations that it was matched up with the day of the month. So it was day six of my rotations and also July 6th. So I thought that was pretty cool. I was on the B shift with the technicians from 0600 to 1430. And the responsibilities weren't super different from what I've been doing the week prior. But the biggest difference was that we were in charge of managing the orders, So receiving it, putting it away, everything having to do with it. But I'll get to that in a second because the way our day starts is actually with oral syringes. So these are kept um, in stock bottles, all the liquids, either in room temperature or in the refrigerator. They are needed all throughout the hospital, especially the NICU. They have their own tiny little syringes for all the little babies. And you have your hazardous and your non-hazardous medications. And so for the hazardous ones, you have to place down a prep mat as well as use gloves. And those drugs include flaconazole, mycophenolate, Uh, tacrolimus and your non-hazardous ones include things like metoprolol, propanolol, and gabapentin, which is actually refrigerated. And you don't need anything special laid down for that. It can just be done on the countertop. And basically you follow the same syringe technique that you would if you're doing an immunization or if you've ever used a syringe for some other reason, um, like in a lab or something. And you basically want to make sure that you pull up the amount of air in equal volume to what amount of liquid that you want to pull out of the stock bottle. So let's say you want six milliliters of gabapentin, you'll go ahead and pull up six milliliters of air into the syringe, inject that air into the stock bottle itself, flip the stock bottle on top of the syringe and pull out six milliliters of the liquid. And this helps to get rid of that pull that you might f- feel if you weren't to inject any air. And at the same time, definitely helps to cut down on the number of bubbles. I have gotten quite good at my bubble eliminating technique, I must say. So got some pulls on the first try without any so I've become quite the pro if I may say so myself but while I was doing this there were also other orders printing and the phone ringing because if you've ever been in a pharmacy both of those things happen at all times and while on the other side of the phone isn't a patient as it is in retail it was a doctor or a nurse or respiratory therapist or even other pharmacists um, the orders definitely never stop because someone always needs something And so I pulled the orders that had popped out and they were actually for Epigen and I went to hand them to the pharmacist because I know that they're the ones that go ahead and check them off. And the pharmacist actually took the time to talk with me about Epigen. She asked me what the monitoring parameters were and I knew it was hemoglobin and hematocrit. So that was really great. And then it kind of prompted a longer conversation where we got into more of the details about it. And basically, Epigen also goes by the name uh, Procrit and Reticrit, and it's an erythropoiesis stimulating agent, so it helps in the case that patients have anemia. And so her follow-up question had to do with patients with CKD on hemodialysis as well as those um, currently on chemotherapy. And it was what are the initiation as well as the discontinuation rules that surround that. So basically for patients who are On hemodialysis with CKD, you initiate if their hemoglobin is less than 10, and you either reduce the dose or discontinue if it's above 11. And on patients, not on, in patients who have um, cancer, so they're having chemotherapy regimens completed. You initiate if their hemoglobin is less than 10, but you discontinue only after their chemotherapy is done because chemo is what is killing off the red blood cells. And so once you stop that, the body is able to regenerate the red blood cells and you no longer need the stimulating agent. So again, really cool being able to have that conversation. I've now committed it to memory and it's something that I definitely like wasn't aware of before as far as like the nuance in that. So I thought that was really great. And then just talking about chemotherapy in general and then cancer as well, it brought up the conversation of neupogen, also called granics, and that's a colony stimulating factor. And kind of one of the lab values that's involved with that is your absolute neutrophil count having to do with whether or not patients have neutropenia. So I actually remembered the cutoffs for all the different types of severities in neutropenia, which I was really proud of myself for being able to pull that memory out of somewhere. Uh, so in case you wanted to know, mild neutropenia is considered um, an ANC between 1000 and 1500 moderate is between 500 and 1000 and severe is less than 500 so again really great opportunity to be able to think clinically and be able to have a conversation with the pharmacist that I hadn't really had a chance to speak to otherwise and From then on, actually, she tasked me with pulling the epigen and neupogen orders every morning and going through them, comparing them to the uh, EMR and making sure that indication is correct, looking at the lab values and coming with her um, with any of my recommendations. So really great. Now I had like a standing task to do that involves thinking clinically. So really excited about that. But after that, I went back to finishing my oral syringes. And from there, I went to the receiving room because that is where the order is dropped off. A rule for the pharmacy is that no cardboard can be inside of it. So all of the boxes have to be taken to a different room. And from there, we cart the contents back to the pharmacy itself. So we were just cutting boxes up. You have to make sure you flatten them and everything like that. And it was the day after the holiday weekend. And so the observed holiday was Friday some of the orders didn't come in and so they came in on Monday instead. They normally get about 50 orders a day but of course today was a hundred which was totally fine because there were two of us but I can't even imagine the technician having to do it all by herself. So I was really glad that she and I were able to work on that together and basically we were just constantly carting things back and forth and then eventually had to then put everything into the carousel which I mentioned last week is like my favorite contraption and it still is. I another week of using it. I'm still not sick of it. I find it to be so fun. So basically did that for the rest of the day. Obviously had breaks and lunch somewhere in there. Then there was the afternoon set of the oral syringes. So I was like, I'm a pro. I got this. You don't have to worry about it. Took that upon myself, finished all of them, reconstituted those that were running low and needed to be refilled so that there were stock bottles available because when you use something up, you should, I don't know, have the common courtesy to go ahead and make sure that you're not leaving it empty for the next person who's going to need it. And then I wrapped up basically that day with the technician by filling the Pixis loads that were going to go out during rounds. So making sure that the pharmacist could check that. So when the next tech shift came in, they were able to take it with them and deliver them all. I actually had a quick meeting with my preceptor though, because I did mention to her earlier that I finished my two projects. So I mentioned them briefly in the podcast last week, but I'm working on tracking the bulk inventory products that we work with material managements for that are stocked in the med rooms, as well as submitting my first formulary request. So that's really exciting to the P&T committee. And basically for the bulk inventory, there's just kind of things that are going on with it internally. And so... It's kind of carried on a little bit longer. All good, though, because the deadline is like, I think, next week, some point. Yeah, it's definitely next week. And then for the P&T request, uh, we were just able to fix a couple of things and then put it on official letterhead to make it legit. And then that's actually when I found out that I would be the one presenting to the P&T committee myself my recommendation, which I was not privy to before, but I'm super excited to be doing. I mean, I might get eaten alive, but like, whatever, right? Because... That's like so legit. That's like an actual experience. It'll be to physicians. Um, I'm not really sure who else is on the committee. I know it's pharmacists and physicians. She didn't mention anybody else for the time being. So I'll update y'all on how that goes, but I'm really excited for that. I should probably be like nervous or scared or something, but I think to a certain extent. Yeah, but I think it's going to be quite an experience nonetheless. And that was basically my Monday. Nothing too out of the ordinary, but now on to Tuesday day two of the week, day seven of rotations. It is Tuesday, July 7th. I'm again doing the B shift with a technician. So it's 0600 to 1430. I didn't start with oral syringes today because today was the first day of doing my epigen and neupogen orders. So I was able to pull those, do an epic deep dive in the morning, and then write up my recommendations. Well, not really write up, but commit to memory my recommendations. I keep post-it notes on Um, Each one, just so I have a small blurb in case I can't remember it when I'm standing right there presenting my recommendations. And then I was able to go into the pharmacist's office and present to her, which I think was great practice because you can never practice too many times how to give a recommendation to a pharmacist, or at least when you're in the early stages, like I consider myself. So a great opportunity. We talked a little bit, and then I was able to continue with what the roles and responsibilities are for the technician shift that I was on. was able to help with the rest of the oral syringes and then of course you know we were back on the order again today but a super normal amount so it wasn't like too too much going on Um, again broke down all the boxes I think we only needed to make one um, cart delivery so even better putting the order away wasn't too bad either there's two of us on it and it was again not that many so we blew through that And once I was finished doing that, actually, I had the unique opportunity of being able to attend a med safety committee meeting. And so this is actually headed by one of the pharmacists and those who attend are physicians, nurses, and other pharmacists as well. And basically, they collaborate on ways of increasing medication safety, as you could probably guess from the name of the committee itself. So this is a really great opportunity to see ways that pharmacists are involved outside of the pharmacy itself or even rounding, but maybe going higher up into like an administrative setting and addressing system and issues that they're seeing throughout the institution. So being able to track trends as well as do quarterly reports, being able to mitigate adverse drug reactions, Um, being able to update protocols, figuring out what best practices to be following, just constantly finding ways to improve upon what's happening because, of course, the patient is the most important. And so it was really great being able to be a fly on the wall in this meeting and just see how everyone's really dedicated to patient safety and making sure that everything is being done in the proper way to help eliminate errors occurring. And yeah, again, just really eye-opening to seeing the way that you can work with others in a setting that isn't exactly direct patient care, but has a direct impact on the way patients are cared for. So that was a really great kind of surprise situation to be invited to. And also just hearing how each person from the different types of um, care positions, so like a physician versus a nurse versus a pharmacist, what their input is and kind of what perspective they have on the situation, because we all fill a different role when it comes to caring for a patient. And so our concerns vary based on what tasks we do. And so sometimes you don't know that this is affecting somebody's ability to do their job or has an impact on them, or maybe somebody has an idea an idea of making things easier or a better. And so I think it's really great that this is interprofessional. And it's something that is stressed a lot at UCSF, and I definitely wanted to have be a part of my career and profession as I move forward was working with others who aren't in the same field as myself and so this definitely gave me an opportunity to look into that a little bit more and again yeah med safety you can't stress it enough because medications are they can be really great but they can also be really not great if they're not given in a safe manner. And from there, I met up with my preceptor again. We really got to see each other a lot this week. Like I mentioned, while she is my primary preceptor every day, I'm basically, I guess, assigned to somebody and it's not necessarily her. So sometimes we don't see each other or talk, but she wanted to meet up for a little bit before I went home that day because I was actually going to be working on my first pharmacist shift the next day, as well as another shift with the pharmacist Thursday and Friday. But those two are the same. So she wanted to make sure that I reviewed some of the relevant material that I would need in order to participate fully in those rotations. And so for the Wednesday shift, I needed to go over the renal dose adjustment protocol, as well as the IV to PO protocol. And then for the Thursday and Friday shifts with the IV room pharmacist to go over vancomycin and aminoglycoside dosing, the protocols that surround the both of those. So again, Not a super crazy day, Um, just basically doing what I had done the day before, which made that a lot easier. Great opportunity to be able to see kind of what's happening at the administrative level as far as med safety goes. And also just getting information about what hospitals consider, uh, different things that are constantly on their mind, different things that they're tracking, goals that they've set for themselves. I found that really insightful and I've always enjoyed those types of conversations. And then again, just being able to catch up with my preceptor. Always a good time. love seeing her. This was actually the day that I ended up falling asleep at like 9 p.m. because I was so tired. And I think last week I alluded to the fact that I thought maybe it had to do with like the physical aspect of it all because I was running around the hospital and whatnot. But I really wasn't doing too much of that. And I realized that it probably had a lot to do with the fact that every time I encounter a drug or any anytime I'm talking to someone, I realize I'm constantly trying to reconcile information that I've learned over the last two years while processing the information being presented to me in present time, and then also trying to store that information in my long-term memory. So yeah, I fell asleep so early, didn't even set an alarm for myself, but my circadian rhythm has already set itself to being up at 5 a.m. So luckily, it really didn't have any consequences the next day, but I was definitely super frazzled when I woke up, and I was like, oh, I gotta I gotta go. It's, It's the next day. So with that graceful awakening... It was Wednesday. It is day eight of my rotations and it is July 8th and this was my first pharmacist shift. It was the M shift and it's the main pharmacy shift. It's from 0630 to 1700. So pharmacists work a 10 hour shift whereas technicians work an eight hour shift. That's why this one's a little bit longer. And basically when I went in, her first responsibility was to check off all the meds for the Pyxis loads that were going out in the morning that had been filled by the night shift. And so it's for the entire hospital, so it's quite a few meds if you want to consider filling um, for the entire place. They are not at full capacity, but it's still quite a lot of meds if you think about it. But what was really fantastic, and like I've said before, everyone at the site has been nothing but kind and accommodating and has really taken the opportunity to teach me when they can. Uh, But she just really went above and beyond and every drug that she would pull to check off, which I couldn't help her with because I'm not a pharmacist and don't have the power to verify anything, anytime she would pull a drug out to verify it, she would... Of course, mention the name of what it is. Talk about the normal dosing for an adult, the indications that it's for, and any special caveats that she thought I would want to know. And I thought that was so kind of her to do because she definitely didn't have to do all of that so early in the morning as well. But it really was such a great refresher on some really basic meds that are carried in most hospitals and just dosing information that I'm going to have to know one day anyway. So just constantly hammering that in. It's never going to be too much, I will always appreciate having the opportunity to attach a generic to a brand name, to a dosing or to a strength. So absolutely love that experience. We did that for like an hour and a half. And I am just over the moon about having that experience because after my technician shifts, I was really familiar with what was in stock and what the drugs look like. And so being able to now take it a step further and apply the clinical knowledge that I had kind of built a foundation with in the last two years Elevate it with the knowledge of this pharmacist who was just, oh my God, absolute medication genius as a pharmacist should be, but blew my mind just talking about indications, side effects, things to look out for, monitoring parameters. It was truly like a crash course in literally everything and super random too, right? Because you could pull like the drugs for ED and you get all sorts of different drugs for all sorts of different disease states. So really, really great way to start the day started strong. And it really just got better from there. I've had such a fantastic time. But after that, we went ahead and pulled one of the reports, which is the renal dose adjustment report. Yes, that was the first one for the day. And basically, it's about a 25 page report that prints out all of the drugs that patients are currently taking that require renal dose adjustment and haven't been adjusted due to their current creatinine clearance. So if a lab populated overnight, or if they were just started on it and something changed, it appears in this report and the pharmacist goes through and see if the adjustment needs to be also made in Epic so that an order isn't put in for the wrong dose of a drug. And you could potentially like cause more harm to the patient or cause harm to the patient in general. So I actually got the opportunity to run through that report first. It took quite a while. I think there's like three drugs a page with like 25, so like 75 individual drugs for like, I want to say like, almost that many patients, basically, some of them were obviously had multiple drugs to a certain patient. So definitely took me a while, but such a great opportunity to practice, not only being able to familiarize myself with certain cutoffs, but obviously, of course, with what drugs need to be renally adjusted um, for their doses, because I do have a list from a previous preceptor who had kind of compiled all of the ones that uh, were on there from when she went to pharmacy school. But I also think it's just so much more solid in your head when you're able to really do it yourself. And so that was awesome. Just being able to constantly do that. The repetition, I was not sick of it in the slightest. It just made me feel even more motivated when I would recognize something. I was able to start um, remembering all the guidelines in my head about where the cutoffs are and stuff. Obviously double checking myself because I am not at the point where I can just be like, yeah, I'm going to confidently say it's that one. There's also the pharmacist checking it. I would just, like, mark what my recommendation was that I thought so I could have that opportunity. Um, But while I was doing that, we actually got interrupted by a stroke code. And my pharmacist was actually the one that was supposed to respond. So she and I went to the ED. That was just a really great experience to participate in that. And basically, the pharmacist's role is to evaluate the patient um, in case that they end up needing alteplase. So... In a code blue, if a patient is suspected of having a stroke, the idea is that they hopefully can have time to get a CT and a CTA scan done before the consideration of using a fibrinolytic like alteplase, because in a stroke, that means there is probably a thrombus or a thrombi that's blocking or occluding some vessel in the brain and causing ischemia to a certain part, and thus the stroke occurs. So with the fibrinolytic, the idea is that you can then bust that clot and then alleviate the ischemia that's currently happening. So increase perfusion to the area. And which is what hopefully the scans will show you if that's currently happening, if there's a bleed currently happening, um, because you also don't want to give all the place and you cause more bleeding and things like that. So you want to make sure that they fit the inclusion criteria that the ischemic stroke is the one causing measurable neurologic deficit. The onset of symptoms is less than four and a half hours because you can only administer alteplase within the three to four and a half hours after the patient was last seen um, normal. And then they also have to be above 18 years old. But there are certain things that have to be taken into consideration that a patient would not be able to receive alteplase in the case that it is indicated without resolving these issues first. So if they have evidence of an intracranial hemorrhage on the CT scan, um, signs and symptoms consistent with SAH, or if they have uncontrolled hypertension or if they've had head trauma within the last three months. And then there's, of course, other situations that come up where it's not recommended at all. So like if they got warfarin and their INR is above a certain level, if they've gotten a therapeutic dose of a low molecular way helpline in the last 24 hours, different types of things and everything I've listed is institution-based like it can vary and the cutoffs could vary as well just something to keep in mind but basically the pharmacist role is to go ahead and calculate the dose and pull up as much as needed in the case that the scans come back and it looks like the patient is experiencing a stroke so the dosage is 0.9 0.9 MIGs per kig. You multiply that by their weight, obviously, to get your total dose. And then 10% is given as a bolus over a minute, and the remaining 90% is given as an infusion over an hour. So, yeah, uh, everything was all good. So no need. But again, the pharmacist is the one that attends the code and works up, follows up with the patient um, through the electronic medical record if they end up not having a stroke to jot down what happened and. Um, Of course, attending bedside if they do end up needing it. Um, When we returned, we went through the renal dose adjustments together. So she checked my recommendations against what she was going to do. We talked through any discrepancies. She showed me a couple of interesting cases she had been working up um, otherwise. And we went to lunch. And after lunch, I wasn't too busy. The Basically, the last thing we did was the IV to PO conversion report. So she obviously was getting pulled to do different things every now and then, like verifying and um, helping people every now and then. But my main job was to look at this report, another like 25 page report that includes all of the drugs that were currently being given IV to patients and see if they could be switched to PO or oral. And basically the idea behind that is it's much easier to discharge patients when they are taking drugs and food orally because then they clearly don't have to manage all of these IV lines themselves. And that's very difficult to do. Not to mention when you are able to remove IV lines, you're also reducing the risk of them having an infection due to the ex- like exposure of an IV line or even into their blood or whatnot. So you always, if you can, try to put a patient on oral um so on oral medications and try to have them be the one eating and so all these different drugs pop up and you evaluate whether or not for like antibiotics have they already been on it for 24 hours iv Uh, for all other types of drugs that you want to switch have they been on other or are they taking other medications orally are they even eating orally or are they npo is nothing by mouth so all of these different things have to be taken into consideration and you just go through and you check them off Again, I just went through, gave my recommendations, and then she and I walked through if there were any discrepancies, talked about the patient-specific factors that had an impact, and went from there. That basically took up the whole day, which is crazy because that 10 hours flew by so fast. And yeah, I finished my first pharmacist shift, and it was really cool. I'm so glad I had the opportunity to just be able to practice on my own, start to think clinically in this space. And it definitely gave me like a lot more insight into what all is entailed in working in an inpatient pharmacy, because I've definitely had a lot of experience with shadowing those who are clinical pharmacists, like out on the floor and whatnot. And part of hospital rotation is eventually going to do that. But something that you don't really learn in pharmacy school is like all of the administrative and operative stuff that happens within the inpatient pharmacy So obviously this rotation is paying off dividends in the case of my own knowledge, but again, just a great time getting exposed to all of this. And it's quite different from what I did the next two days, which I will talk about right now. We are now on day four of my week, it is Thursday. And it's also what, day nine of my rotations? Yes, it is July 9th. I am on the A shift now. It's still a pharmacist shift with a different pharmacist. And the shift is from 0630 to 1700. And this is the IV room pharmacist shift. So basically her desk is right outside the IV room. And it's not necessarily like where all the supplies are. She's still in the main pharmacy, but she has this like window cubby thing that it stays pressurized as long as you only open one side at a time. So she's able to take out the orders that they finish and place labels in there that they need to fill without having to like totally gown down and go into the room to do it. But we started off the ship, ship, shift by going over vanco dosing. So vancomycin is really popular for MRSA coverage in hospitals, and it's really good at covering gram positive bacteria. And so it has a lot of therapeutic drug monitoring surrounding it. So you, one of the biggest takeaways from it is looking at trough levels, and you normally want that to fall between 15 and 20. And so with most cases, um, you don't really need a loading dose. You only need it in like complicated things like bacteremia, endocarditis, osteomyelitis, meningitis, pneumonia, so on and so forth. And that loading dose is usually 20 mg per kg. But in uncomplicated infections, you can just start with the 15 mg per kg dose, which is the maintenance dose as well. From there, you go ahead and you base it off their BMI and their creatinine clearance. And then there's a suggested dosing interval that this institution has based on their protocol. So you can try to follow you try to follow that, obviously. And then you always want to round your dose to the nearest 250 milligram strength with a max of two grams um, per dose. So, yeah, that was a really great experience because we actually dedicate quite a lot of time to vancomycin in pharmacy school, especially at UCSF. We have lectures on it and we do multiple skill sessions in both years, year one and year two, dedicated to taking levels and um, getting the dosing right. So I think it was really great having this opportunity to see it play out real time. They, of course, you know, have the normal taking a level after the third dose, which is and 30 minutes before the fourth dose. And just evaluating what to do, either adjusting the dosing to make it higher or lower, or keeping the dosing and adjusting the frequency, or maybe adjusting both. You know, it just really depends. So that was a really great chance to try my hand at it, kind of work together, see what we thought. And we were going to be on the same shift together the next day anyway, the pharmacist and I. So it was really great because then we were able to follow up, but I'll get into that. After doing that, she was in charge of verifying orders for the second and third floor of the hospital, so they're constantly popping in her queue when doctors put in order sets and things like that. She's the one that goes ahead and verifies them, and it was just so interesting getting to observe her because she not only also took the opportunity to narrate what she was doing for me and like go through a lot of what was happening on the screen, like why certain drugs are prescribed for what, and then um, kind of just being able to, okay, this is actually the biggest takeaway, not kind of, but really watching the way she navigates Epic was beautiful. Like I know that she's been doing this for a while, but like seeing the fact that you have to check every single medication to the patient chart, you have to be quick about it, right? Like with the hospital, there's a lot of patients, there's a lot of orders, um, things are constantly coming in and you're also doing other things that are happening. So when you are sitting down, you really need to be efficient with your time just the ability of her to move through epic just swimmingly is has caught me off guard I have still not recovered I am so impressed I I have it's it blows my mind every time I think about it and I have learned so so much from her as far as like what her flow is in approaching a patient and I'm definitely going to add that to my current flow that I have going right now I feel feel really lucky because my current flow is based off of what I observed from the appy student I was with a year ago and she was super quick with it as well and that's where I I got a really good baseline for what I was looking for. But just seeing this pharmacist go through it was wild. And I was just in constant awe. And you can probably still hear I'm still in awe. And it's been like four days. So again, with navigating the EMR, I know that that's something that can be really intimidating and can really um, throw people for a loop because you're not only trying to balance your clinical knowledge, but you're also trying to balance this technological knowledge and there's just information hidden everywhere so if you can have somebody show you how they work up a patient and kind of follow along and that'll definitely make it a lot easier because this is not supposed to be impossible to find and you also don't want to spend your whole time trying to figure out where things are hidden it was also so interesting to watch that even though she's not the one rounding on the floor, she's still calling up doctors and nurses and the other pharmacists that are on the floors to collaborate with them and inform them of changes that she's going to make. So in the case that she ever makes a change, she always leaves an intervention or an IVENT note so that if she's not there to defend her decision or the reason that she made a change, she left a note so that they can see that that's why she did it. And at the same time, If let's say a a doctor puts in an order for an antibiotic, but cultures have come back already before the drug is dispensed for a broad spectrum antibiotic and it can go to a more narrow spectrum one, she'll go ahead, give them a call, let them know what she saw and they'll go ahead and make a decision from there. Again, amazing interprofessionalism. Love that that's a part of all aspects of the job. And just a quick note on antibiotics, because it's definitely something that's not super, super like ingrained in my memory just yet. I would try to write down the antibiotics that we talked about the most. And then when I was on my lunch or um, when I went home later that day too, I would really try to solidify those flower diagrams. If you go to UCSF or if you've ever heard of flower diagrams, live by them, swear by them. Um, That's the way we, we were taught them. I think they're great, but... I really need to, like, get the details down for all of them because I know which ones cover gram negatives, which ones cover gram positives, and Pseudomonas and uh, MRSA for, like, the most part. But it's, like, the details and, like, the specificities and why one over another and, like, the differentiation, like, in generations of cephalosporins is definitely something I need to brush up on. So I tried to take what I was seeing a lot of and... Again, not try to overwhelm myself, not relearn all of ID in like a night, but to maybe like really commit to memory all of the um, beta lactams and the cephalosporins. Like make that my focus for the night and just be happy with that. Again, don't try to overdo it. Then from there, other things that she had to take care of were doing visual checks in the IV room. So there are certain drugs that need to have a pharmacist see The medications laid out in their proper like volumes and amounts before they can go ahead and be like let's say you have something pulled up in a syringe you have to see that volume of like five milliliters before it gets injected into a mini bag so pharmacist has to see it that's for things like insulin hypertonic saline um what are other things like narcotics things like that so the pharmacist actually has to go into the room and check it out so we gowned up and gowned down like three more times that day so she also checks off sterile compounding. So again, not everything needs to be monitored by a pharmacist. So once something's done, it goes into that little window I was talking about. She's able to pull it out, scan the dispensing products. She checks the math and all of the uh, measure, uh, calculations that were done, signs it off, and it gets put, put away or tubed to somewhere or um, delivered by hand. So really just depends. I also got to see um, K-Centra get put together on the tabletop. So it comes as two syringes and you go ahead and you stick the sterile water, I believe is what it was, that or normal saline um, on top. And this is to help like reverse um, severe bleeding like in the case of hemorrhaging. So that was really interesting to see as well. It has to be done very fast. It's usually a stat order because it's quite urgent. And something that was really cool that doesn't happen too often is that there were active chemotherapy orders. So the pharmacy was in charge of managing those. And so I got to walk through with the pharmacist, how they came up with the chemotherapy regimen, the math behind how they got everything. And then from there, also going into the hazardous IV room. It is very small and there's like three of us in there. But just seeing the way that they do chemo compared to some of the other IV room activities that are non-hazardous was so interesting just because it's, is so hazardous. And so the fact that they're just being able to do it right there was mind blowing to me. And this was also a part of like, cause there's patients who have diff- like multiple cycles of chemotherapy. So learning how compared to the first cycle, how the second cycle is different, how the oncologist came up with the second regimen considerations based on results from the first one, also becoming more familiar with like the pre-meds. So with chemotherapy, you can get quite a bit of nausea and vomiting. So popular ones are Zofran, Ondansetron, if you're familiar, as well as fosaprepatin So those are actually compounded in the non-chemo, non-hazardous IV room as well as um, some other things that were needed. And then those are given before you go ahead and give the chemotherapy. So really great opportunity to see that in action happening right in front of me. Obviously, we were all kind of crammed into the chemo room together. Only one person was doing the compounding and we were just making sure that all the steps were being taken because you do this really cool thing called circle priming where you prime the IV bag and all the tubes with the drug itself instead of like normal saline. So again, learning all these different types of terminology and techniques when it comes to sterile compounding was really great. So yeah, that was basically the majority of Thursday. The only other thing I had to take care of was, again, on my inventory project, I needed to run downstairs to material management to check some things out. Nothing too crazy. Uh, made some new friends down there. They seem great. We have a great time. And I think I'm slowly but surely leaving my mark on this hospital, but with that being said, we'll move on to Friday. We have now made it to the end of the week. It is Friday. It is day 10 of my rotations, the 5th day of the week. It is also July 10th. I am on the A shift again with the same pharmacist from 0630 to 1700. And so, we started off this day by checking the orders for the second and third floor, like they had already been filled by the technician and now they needed to be checked off to be taken to the Pixis machines and again really great repetition just being able to run through all the drugs their normal dosing brand generic names indications and she too shared with me what caveats she thought were important or things to understand amazing opportunity and for some reason within like the first 90 minutes of me showing up I was already ready for the chicken nuggets I was going to get after work but that's besides the point I just thought I'd share for some reason because I ended up getting the chicken nuggets as you can imagine But like nine o'clock in the morning, eight o'clock in the morning, that seems problematic. Um, But from there, we ended up looking into the vanco dosing from the day before. So really great opportunity to follow up with the recommendations we had made the day prior to see if they worked. And then if they hadn't, what adjustments are we going to make? Are we too soon? Do we need to wait for the trough level to be drawn? And then at that point, we continue to verify orders on the computer for the second and third floors. Again, it sounds super repetitive. It may sound like it was even like, oh, like, doesn't it get boring? Absolutely not. I really tried to use that opportunity to solidify for myself all of the information I was seeing over and over again, because it is really motivating when you see something and you know what the dose is probably going to be, or you know what the indication is, or you're able to ask a question about it because you didn't fully understand. So really just engage because I think you really get out of things what you put into it. And so take every opportunity as a learning one, because how often do you get the opportunity to literally sit there and just learn? And I think that's so great that, again, that this rotation exists because it's so much more valuable than I could have even imagined in the first place. From there, there was just more IV room checkoffs. So something they do is also batch making. So they do individual drug orders, but they also batch some medications. So an example would be Cefazolin or Ansef. It's an antibiotic and it's used basically in every pre-procedure that happens in that hospital. So they go through it quite frequently and they make about like twenty bags at a time. And so the pharmacist has to check all those off and then they get stored in the refrigerator. And then from there we had lunch. It was a very Friday flew by, I gotta tell you. And then after that I finished up one other aspect of my PNT project. So I need to look up a couple more of the sources and things like that to back it up because they needed like a certain number or something like that. And then from there, I also started to do a little bit more research on my final project, which has to do with the hypercoagulability that is present in COVID patients, and then how some of the certain treatments they've been trying um, have an impact on the inflammatory cascades. So a lot of great things I've been reading about, super interesting, and I'll definitely be sharing more as I learn more. And then after doing a little bit of work with that, we were able to work on the second dose for the chemotherapy regimen. great opportunity again to see how that whole process progresses and then help a little bit more with like pulling all the supplies and then checking it out one more time just you know you can never you never see these things too many times plus how often do you get to compound chemo i mean it wasn't me but like how often do you get to see chemo compounded so at that point again just verifying orders um this is actually the first time that i had seen ketamine being used as a last resort for pain so Being able to see what their protocol is and using it and then understanding the other pain modalities a little bit better. So we walk through those and all the different options you have and how sometimes ketamine is the last option Um, for like really painful disease states. uh, Osteosarcoma is like one of the first ones that pops my head. I know is something that was on their protocol sheets. So just really interesting stuff, constantly learning about different things. And then I was able to see a tabletop hypertonic solution be put together. So that's for reducing intracranial pressure. Again, a stat type of situation It's usually quite emergent. And so the pharmacist puts it together into a syringe and it gets taken up to wherever it's needed. And then after that, I actually got the really unique opportunity to participate in an honor walk. So it's announced over the PA system that an honor walk will be occurring within like five to 10 minutes. And this is where anybody who is available lines up uh, along the walls leading into the OR when a patient is going to donate their organs. And I think that was by far one of the most powerful moments I've ever had in a hospital before. It was a reminder to myself not only that This job has everything to do with the people who are on the other side of the decisions we make, but also just how precious life is and how fortunate I should feel to be able to do what I love to do every day and to have this opportunity purely dedicated to learning. And I don't know, I'm one of those people that maybe I read too much into situations, but to also honor that person for making that sacrifice to maybe give someone else a lease on life and for them to go on and do something amazing and also again to honor the life that that person who's donating lived because I don't know again life is precious you only get so much time with it and of it so cherish it while you can and live your life the way you want to live it because it's really just it's about you and no one else except for like with like healthcare and stuff like that's not a time for you to be selfish it's about it's about the patient don't don't take it like that. But yeah, a really, really touching moment. And I'm really glad that I went. And I definitely I want to attend other honor walks in the future. I think it's such a powerful moment and like such an emotional experience in the sense that like, it really solidifies like what a great privilege it is to be able to have such a direct impact on people's lives. And how life is just that short. So yeah, sorry, I'm gonna move away from that. And so basically, once I came back, we wrapped up with checking the labs that had come back for the Vanco dosing that we didn't have a chance to look at earlier because it was too soon. And that wouldn't have been that would that wouldn't have done us any good to have made adjustments based on a level taken too soon. So that was good. We were able to check that make some adjustments. And actually, the pharmacist is the one who puts in the orders for these labs to be taken. So I thought that was pretty cool, too. I don't know why. But that just seemed like something that you don't really think about but it needs to get done and so it's actually the pharmacist who puts it in So really great day of course just being able to hang out with the same pharmacist again really these people are so nice and really take the time to educate me on all sorts of different things and answer my questions because i try to ask as many questions as possible when i don't understand something not unnecessarily so but yeah with that i think that wraps up my friday well i mean i got chicken nuggets later but i mean like pharmacy wise i think that wraps up the rest of my friday So we are now at the weekend, nothing too crazy planned because we are still in a pandemic and I'm not going anywhere. So I basically just took care of laundry, recorded this podcast, of course, because what would a Monday be without it? I'm trying to think. I had wellness activities to do. So every week we have conference. We haven't had them in a while, actually. And some of those conferences are dedicated to resiliency exercises. And these are with our cohort in our respective regions. So our Sacramento cohort is going to meet up on Zoom on Monday. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to share. I'm not really sure there is. So I guess with that, I just wanted to say thank you so much to all of you who have taken the time to listen to my podcast, um, either this episode or others, or if this is your first one, welcome. I am so excited to have this past week in the books now, and I'm really looking forward to what is coming in the week ahead, all the weeks, to be honest. So again, thank you so much. I hope you and your loved ones are staying safe and healthy. And I know y'all are wearing a mask, so I don't have to say it, but again, staying safe, staying healthy, and I'll talk to you all soon. Bye.